Pronunciation Pro. Hello again. In this episode, we are going to go through a book and do a little bit of a summary of a book that we covered in the Pronunciation Pro book club meeting. I just finished this book club meeting. We had a group of our students here at Pronunciation Pro who gathered together and we each read the book. I guess most of us read the book. Some of us read the book (laughs) while others came to just enjoy the conversation and to learn um, from the discussion. The concept from these pro book club meetings that we have within the Pronunciation Pro online training program is to provide a setting for our students where we can practice communication. We can practice conversation in English. We can practice discussion in English on topics that are important, that are helpful in our professional development and are interesting and engaging. So we choose a book. It's usually a professional development book of some kind. It's usually a recommendation from one of our students. And we each read it and then I outline it. And then we go through and and discuss the book and talk about elements of the book that are important for us in our lives, in our careers, in our personal relationships, and look at applying it and how we can apply it and how we have applied it or are going to apply it in our lives. Now, a very strong belief system that I have and something that research shows is that learning is about application. We have to put what we're learning into play. We have to use it. We have to apply it. We have to share it. We have to think about it and have an experience with it in order for it to change us. So how often have you read a book and then a week later, Someone asks you what it's about, and you can't remember. (laughs) Well, that's something that this Pro Book Club meeting has really helped solve for myself and, and our students here at Pronunciation Pro, is that when we have an experience, when we get together and we discuss it, then the learning takes on a deeper meaning. We're able to apply those concepts more consistently in our life because we've had that experience together in discussing it and and looking for ways that it applies in our daily life. So it's a very powerful experience that we share together and I invite you to join us. We do it every other month usually. During the summertime, there's a little bit of a break because everyone's out playing and enjoying the good weather, but we'll definitely be jumping back in. We've done this for four or five years now, and we have a library of books that we've done these discussions on, and I have outlines for each book that you can review, but it's all available when you become a member of Pronunciation Pro. So definitely come join us. We'd love to hear your take on some of these books and what you have to share with us, and we'd love you to be part of the conversation and learn from you. The group here at Pronunciation Pro is just is amazing. There are people who are professionals who are really doing amazing things in life and they're striving for excellence. 
They're not okay with just good enough. They're striving to be excellent in everything that they do. And I'm sure just by the fact that you're listening to this podcast that you fall into that category, that you're one who strives for excellence and growth. And that's what we're doing together in the Pronunciation Pro Online Training Program. We're there to learn and support each other through the process, okay? So let's dive into this book, Crucial Conversations. It's from a few different authors, Patterson, Grenny, McMillan, and Switzler. But Crucial Conversations is a book talking about crucial conversations, the importance of communication skills and getting the results that we want through these crucial conversations that we're faced with. So really the definition of crucial conversations, the authors say, what makes a conversation a crucial conversation? It's when the outcome could have a huge impact on either relationships or results that affect you greatly. Okay, that's when a casual conversation turns into a crucial one is really based on the results of that conversation and how it can impact you positively or negatively in your life. So a crucial conversation is a discussion between two or more people in which they hold opposing opinions about a high stakes issue and where emotions run strong. So that piece, when emotions run strong, that's the piece that gets really, really tricky. (laughs) When we're trying to manage our emotions through these conversations, it takes a high level of emotional intelligence and skill to be able to navigate these waters effectively. So it takes skill. It takes an actual skill that you have to develop. You have to learn and develop and practice in order to manage these conversations effectively. Now, the results of it can be amazing. This is something that doesn't come easily. This is a skill set that doesn't come easily, but has enormously powerful results or a benefit, enormously powerful benefits into your life, that it's worth the effort. It's really, truly worth the effort. The authors say, the more crucial the conversation, the less likely we are to handle it well. When we fail a crucial conversation, every aspect of our lives can be affected, from our companies, to our careers, to our communities, to our relationships, to our personal health. And the longer the lag time, the more room for mischief. But there is good news. As we learn how to step up to crucial conversations and handle them well, with one set of high leverage skills, we can influence virtually every domain of our lives. Again, the skill set is somewhat challenging in terms of it takes practice. It may not be complicated, but it does take practice to manage ourselves and our words and our emotions in high stakes conversations. But when you really learn these skills and master these skills, the influence is amazing and it can affect everything in your life, okay? So I just, I want to emphasize the importance of this and the importance of the skill of developing these tools and working on these tools in your life. Now, we're never gonna be perfect at all of this. It takes practice, it takes kind of study of 
these materials. But even today, if you just walk away with one thing, one thing that you can start applying and practicing in your life, that will make a big difference. And then maybe later you come back and you say, okay, I'm going to try another thing and then apply that one little thing. That's going to make an enormous difference. So I want you to be thinking about what's the one thing that I can take away from this discussion that will have an impact in my life and in these crucial conversations that I have to have frequently with people I love, people I work with. It's going to come up. It's just a matter of whether we're going to be prepared to do something about it or not. Now, one thing for me in reading this book is it brought a lot of awareness. I recognized in myself how I was doing it wrong in a lot of situations, how I was managing these conversations poorly and ineffectively because I wasn't using some of these tools. The awareness piece, that alone is going to help me just because when you see it, you can hardly unsee it. (laughs) When you see something in yourself, then it opens your eyes to alternatives of like, oh, do I want to be that way or do I want to change it? And if I want to change it, how do I change it? And it opens up your brain to a whole new way of experiencing life, experiencing these conversations. So just even bringing awareness to the fact that like, hey, I might be going into these conversations poorly and there's a different way, a more effective way. That is powerful. Okay, they talk about lag time. So lag time, basically, uh, the authors say, you can measure the health of relationships, teams, and organizations by measuring the lag time, or the space between, when problems are identified and when they are resolved. Okay, there's a space between when we like identify a problem and then we either take action to solve the problem or we don't. The longer that that time is, the more problematic it becomes. So I'm sure you're like me where there's been problems that have come up and instead of addressing it right away, we kind of avoid it. It's uncomfortable. We don't really want to address it and we don't really want to address it directly and we just let it fester. We let those emotions really just fester inside of us and it, the problem then grows and grows where it started off maybe as a little thing that if we would have taken care of it right away, it would have been no big deal. But instead, we've put it off to the point where it's now become a bigger problem. Okay, so the health of our relationships, organizations can be determined by how quickly we're able to identify and resolve these problems. Okay, and the authors talk about talk it out or act it out. That either we have really two options when it comes to identifying a problem. We either go ahead and address it directly and talk it out and reach that resolution quickly or we act it out, meaning we haven't resolved it, but it's there and it's festering. Say somebody does something that's rude and instead of dealing with it directly, we just act terrible to them. (laughs) We act rude to them and they're maybe thinking, why is this person being rude to me? What a jerk, I'm now gonna be rude back to them. And then the problem builds and builds from there. Instead of 
hey, you had said something to me that was kind of offensive, and I just want to address that with you and let you know here's how I would prefer to be talked to or whatever it is. Say this is a relationship, a family relationship, a spouse relationship, or a relationship with your child. You know, these type of interactions can happen often where we either talk it out or we act it out. And the healthiest thing to do and the most effective thing to do is to talk it out. So what are some of the benefits of talking it out and addressing things directly? Well, you have increased your influence. You'll improve your organization or your family or your group, whatever you're involved in. You'll strengthen your relationships. One part of this book that I really enjoyed and agree with was they were talking about, you know, every relationship's going to have its bumps. Every relationship's going to, you're going to argue and you're going to disagree. The health of the relationship depends on how you argue. That's what really matters. It's not that you do or not, it's how you argue. So in an unhealthy relationship, it's name calling, it's accusing, it's eye-rolling, it's storming off, getting upset and raising your voice and kind of being mean to each other. But in healthy relationships, it's recognizing, hey, we disagree, but instead we're going to use some other tools that help us navigate this argument in a respectful way that we maintain respect for each other and we realize that we're both probably not seeing things clearly and there's that mutual respect that can happen in these arguments that really identify if this relationship is going to work or not. Now I have a personal experience for myself, I've kind of learned this the hard way, but I was married for about 17 years and my husband and I, we had a lot of conflict and a lot of arguments and we didn't always handle them in a very healthy way and then 13 years into our marriage we recognized hey this is not healthy we need to do something different we went to therapy and we got a lot of tools of communication including things that are talked about in this book crucial conversations and we worked on them We worked on that skill of communication, of how to argue and how to resolve conflict and things like that. And through that process, you know, we thought we would be repairing the marriage. And what we ended up happening is we recognized through honest conversation of what we really wanted in life that our marriage no longer really made sense. We didn't have the common goals of what we both wanted in life. But we had gotten to a place where we could have love and respect for each other, and have these hard conversations. And through that process, we were able to have a very peaceful divorce. And it has benefited us and our kids. We have five boys. We have five young boys. And we recognize that you know, now as we're co-parenting and we're working with our kids together, that we're so grateful for the time that we spent really working on how to disagree, how to resolve conflict, because that matters. It matters in our relationship. We truly respect each other, and we've come to that through working on those communication skills and the way of respecting each other through disagreements. 
and I'm really grateful for that because I know it's going to benefit our children as time goes on. Now getting back to other benefits of talking it out, the book was talking about how it boosts our immune system and our personal health is positively affected by speaking up and talking through things instead of letting them fester and build and grow into a bigger problem. Now I'm always encouraging my students at Pronunciation Pro to speak up. There's an element here that's in an added layer of difficulty in these crucial conversations that you're doing it in a language that's not your native language, that you are having to have these emotionally high-charged conversations in a language that doesn't feel as natural and comfortable for you. So I recognize that there is an added layer of difficulty and challenge, and then add on the cultural differences and the challenges that come from that. And I just recognize and I just wanna validate the difficulty of what you're dealing with in these hard conversations as you're layering on top of what's already a hard conversation with the language piece and the culture piece. And I wish I could take that away from you and I'm sorry that that's the way it is and that that's your truth and your reality. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, here's the challenge at hand. What are we going to do about it? And that's what I love so much about our students at Pronunciation Pro is, you know, you really don't tend to take that victim mentality. You tend to just step into that power of like, hey, this is what it is. This is the challenge that I'm faced with and I am going to go ahead and take care of this problem head on and I'm going to go ahead and charge through so that I can have the results that I want in my life. You might not be able to choose the challenges that you're faced with in your life, but you can choose how to respond to the challenges that you're faced in life. And I truly respect and admire your determination, your grit, and your character for tackling hard things like you're doing with speaking English more clearly and with more confidence. All right, so in these crucial conversations, the author talks about sometimes we think that we only have two options. He calls them the fool's choice. We only have two options. Either we speak up and harm the relationship or we stay silent and suffer the consequences. And he's saying, you know what? Look for a way to be both 100% honest and 100% respectful at the same time. Get to dialogue. And dialogue is a condition where meaning flows freely with information shared by all. We have to engage in conversation that is respectful, honest, and people feel safe to engage, to share information, even though it may be difficult information to share or to hear by some parties, we have to get to a place of dialogue where we can get truth out in the open, okay? So let's dive into some of the strategies and what this book outlines as the tools that can be used to create this place of honesty, respect, and free-flowing information. First, choose your topic, okay? When you're going into a conversation, make sure you're very clear about what your topic is. So three skills to identify your topic and stay focused on it. Identify, is this a content thing? Is it a pattern that needs to be addressed? Is it something to do with a relationship? Or is it like a process that we need to figure out? 
the main focusing question of how to really identify what your focus is during a crucial conversation is asking yourself, what do I really want? What do I really want out of this conversation? And simplifying it so that it's very, very clear in your mind. As you're going into a conversation with one of your children, identifying it's not, I don't need to be right in this situation or I don't need to tell her what she needs to do But what I want is dialogue. I want us to be able to discuss freely and I want her to feel loved by me and that I'm here for her and I'm here to support her in everything that she's doing. So simplifying that into I want her to feel loved and supported. Okay, when that's the focus and you go in with that focus, you're more likely to stay on topic instead of getting distracted by maybe some of the other things that may be pulled into the conversation. Number two, the strategy number two, start with heart. Okay, you have to start with yourself first before going into these conversations. The only person you can directly control is yourself. So you really have to focus on you. The authors say, as much as others may need to change or we may want them to change, the only person we can continually inspire, prod, and shape with any degree of success is the person in the mirror. Okay, we have to start with ourselves and really look internally of what is my intent here? What do I really want from this conversation? And really get our intentions good. (laughs) Make sure our heart is in a good place and our motives are in a good place. And really asking, what do I want for myself and for others and for the relationship here? And clarifying what you do want and what you don't want and maybe even communicating that. Hey, I really want us to be able to connect here and I want it to be a free-flowing conversation. What I don't want is for you to feel like I'm attacking you. You know, that's an example of how we can clarify what we don't want and what we do want. Okay, number three, master my stories. The author talks a lot about kind of going into silence or violence, that this tends to be our reaction when we go into crucial conversations where the emotions are high, is a lot of times we fall into us ourselves and the person we're talking to, this mode of silence or violence. And it's similar to like the fight or flight response that we have when we feel like we're being threatened in some way, either physically or emotionally threatened. Silence or violence is we either stay quiet when really we should, you know, speak up or we go to violence where we're attacking the other person. So when strong emotions keep you stuck in silence or violence, you need to really retrace your path. And what they're saying is we need to really look at the stories we're telling in our mind. You need to really look at what story are you telling to create these strong emotions? Well, what emotions are you experiencing? And what story are you telling in your mind that is creating these emotions? So we talk a lot about in in my program where Our thoughts are creating our feelings and our feelings are creating our actions. So we have to really back it up and recognize what kind of thoughts are happening in our head. And the author here is saying, what's the story in your head? Let's separate the facts from the story. Let's watch for those clever stories, those victim, villain, or helpless stories. Are we making people out to be the villain 
are we saying, oh, they're a terrible person. They always do these horrible things. They're always being selfish. They're always being unkind. Well, probably not. They're probably a mix of both, just like we're a mix of both. Sometimes I do it right and sometimes I make mistakes. And being able to watch for that and say, okay, have I villainized this person that I'm talking to? Or have I taken a victim position in my story? Oh, I'm always getting criticized in these situations and it's always me that's at the bottom. We have to watch for those stories that we're telling ourselves so that we can change those stories and change the feeling and the outcome of these conversations. Because if you go into a crucial conversation and the story in your head is that I'm a victim and I need to fight for my respect or fight for whatever it is that I need in this situation, you're going to come into that conversation in a way you probably aren't going to be very safe and the conversation's not going to flow very well. Mastering our stories, you can ask yourself, You know, what am I pretending not to notice about my role in this problem? Really taking a look at yourself, really self-reflecting and saying, how am I contributing to the emotion of this situation? Why would a reasonable, rational, and decent person do this? So that's a question to ask yourself when someone does something and you're like, I can't believe they would do that. Who in their right mind would do that? And really getting curious and saying, actually, why would they do that? If they are a reasonable, rational, and decent person, why would they do that? And let's get clear about that coming from a place of like, if they're a good person, why would they act in this way? Sometimes they've had a bad day. Maybe there's been some betrayal in the past or there's been some wounding of some sort in their past or in their life experience that's causing them to react in the way that they are. And when we can humanize the people that we're talking to, we can really get to that place of respect for them. And that's the place where we're going to have the best dialogue. When we have that mutual respect, when we've humanized them, we see them as a good person who's really just trying their best and doing their best, that's when we can keep our heart in the right place. And then asking yourself, what should I do right now to move towards what I really want? Okay, so as you're mastering those stories in your head, really thinking through that. In these crucial conversations, so number four in those crucial conversations, learn to look. So what are we looking for? We're looking for content, kind of what's being discussed, and conditions. How is the group responding? What's the dynamic that's happening? What's the body language? What's the mood or emotion that's happening in the setting? We have to really be paying attention to not just the content, but what's happening in the dynamic of the conversation. We have to look for when things are becoming crucial. When did we kind of step into a high stakes, high emotion category? Meeting might be going just fine and then all of a sudden it takes a step into the more of this crucial area. And we have to pay attention when that starts happening. We need to look for safety problems. Are the people in the room feeling safe? Are they feeling like they can share their thoughts and ideas effectively or are they feeling defensive? Are they feeling attacked? 
Are they feeling like they can't share what they need to share or what they want to share because they feel like they're going to be attacked in some way emotionally or verbally? We need to look to see whether others are moving into that silence or violence place. We need to be paying attention to that. We need to be looking for ways that we are reacting ourselves and keeping that in check of like, oh, my jaw is getting clenched and I can feel my heart rate rising. We got to pay attention to those things so that you can then identify, okay, what's the story that I'm telling in my head so that I can manage this, okay? All of these are very complex skills, so I don't want you to feel overwhelmed, but this is an awareness piece. It's just recognizing that all of these things are at play right now. We might not be able to use them and master them at this point, but just even getting awareness that these things are happening and things just to be paying attention to in these crucial conversations. Number five, make it safe, okay? This has probably been my favorite section of the book just because I recognize the value and the importance of creating a safe place for people to communicate. When safety is at risk and we fall into that violence or silence category, I feel like the conversation then unravels. It starts going in a direction that we don't want it to go and there's a lot of harm that can happen with what's being said and how it's being said if we don't keep that in check and get back to a place of safety. So how do we make a conversation safe when it's kind of stepping into that highly emotional state and you can kind of start feeling that people are not feeling safe in that situation, both yourself and others? The first strategy is to step out of the content. So for example, say you start talking politics with family members and you see that people are starting to get really energized and emotional about the topic. You can step out of that content and say, hey, I'm noticing that we're getting into politics. It's a highly sensitive area. We probably have differing opinions about this. And I just wanna make sure that we can have a healthy dialogue without it getting too overwhelming for everyone or for anyone and that we can create a safe place here where we can talk openly but respectfully with each other, okay? That can really diffuse a situation, just stepping out and saying, hey, I don't want this energy. How can we do this in a better way? Usually when people are not feeling safe, it's because we haven't established a mutual purpose and mutual respect. So that's what the authors kind of talk about. Mutual purpose is do others believe you care about their goals in this conversation? Okay, we need to make sure that we're clear at like, hey, I know that this is important for you and I want to respect that. And I know that our goals are the same. We really want the same out of this conversation. And we're on the same team here. And, you know, we just want the best for our children or for ourselves or our relationship. Okay. The other piece is that mutual respect. Do others believe you respect them? And again, going back, your heart needs to be in the right place. Your story needs to be coming from a respectful place because I'm sure you've been in situations where you know immediately when you're talking to someone that they do not respect you and they're gonna pick up on whether you respect them or not. 
very quickly without really having to say much. <laughs> People are really usually good at that, of identifying whether or not someone respects them. Yeah, other strategies to make it safe are to share your good intent. You know, what do you really want? Apologize when it's appropriate. An apology can soften people so quickly. If you're truly sincere about the apology, it can really diffuse a very highly emotionally charged situation. And another strategy they talk about, contrast to fix misunderstanding. Explain what you don't intend and then what you do. An example of this is, hey, I do not want to offend you in this situation. What I do want to do is provide you feedback that will be helpful for you in your growth and your development in your career, okay? What you don't want and what you do want. Tool number six is state my path. State my path. And really, this is just sharing what your mindset is and what your journey is. And they have this acronym STATE, S-T-A-T-E. S for share the facts. Okay, we're going to share the facts of what has happened or what our reality is or what the facts are from our perspective. Tell your story. Here's the story that I'm telling myself. Again, it's just a story, but this is how things are looking from my vantage point. Ask for others' paths. So I want to know what your story is. You know, what are you seeing from your perspective? Talk tentatively. So again, state your story as a story, not fact. You know, I might not be seeing this accurately, but this is what it is from my perspective. Encourage testing, okay? Make it safe for others to disagree. We want to encourage that dialogue and say, you know, I really want us to be able to discuss this openly and honestly and in a safe place, okay? Tool number seven, explore the other's path. So we've talked about this a little bit, but we want to encourage that free-flowing meaning and help others leave that silence or violence behind. Okay, we want to start with an attitude of curiosity and patience. Okay, we really want to understand. We want to listen to understand. This is incredibly powerful. Even though you disagree, you may disagree with another person and the way they're thinking, just even being able to hear them out and understand where they're coming from from their perspective is very very important okay some ideas or strategy is ask you know ask clearly how are you seeing this mirror it so acknowledging the emotions that they're having paraphrase state in your own words hey this is what i'm hearing from you this as to what you're saying and then prime, they're saying, you know, if they're still reluctant to share with you, you know, take your best guess at what they might be thinking. You know, guess why they might be upset at you or why there's tension between the two of you. Is it because of, you know, this thing that I said? It helps prime that so that they may be more willing to discuss. And then as they begin to respond and we are having this dialogue, when you have shared views and there's elements of that you agree on, build on what you agree on, okay? So find elements that are common elements, things that you share together and ways that you are similar in your thinking, okay? Find that common ground is a term usually 
referring to. Let's find pieces that are the same between us. And then once you have that common ground, then you have a foundation to start building off of. Okay, build off of those shared views. And then you can compare when you differ. Say, you're viewing it as this, and it looks like I'm viewing it this other way. Okay, and compare the two views. Tool number eight, retake your pen. So I love, love, love this section of the book, talking about retake your pen. It's referring to when you are getting really difficult feedback from someone else. Someone's telling you some things about yourself. And, you know, sometimes these crucial conversations, you're in a conversation with a boss or a colleague or a spouse, you know, a significant other, where they're telling you things that like you're doing wrong or you're hurting their feelings or that need to be improved. You're getting some of this critical feedback. And the author calls it sometimes feed smack (laughs) because it feels like a huge smack to the face and can be quite painful. But we have to remember that your reaction is within your control. It's how you react to those situations that can be really very, very important in moving that conversation forward. So some strategies when you're getting feedback that's kind of hard to hear and you want to go into that more emotional state of silence or violence, being able to use these tools so that you can calm down and be able to hear the feedback and use it to build from there. Okay, so first you got to take steps to secure your safety and affirm your worth. Okay, we have to recognize that feedback is feedback, but it doesn't affect who we are as a person. We have set worth and value that can never be changed, that we are worthy, we are valuable, we are lovable, um, no matter what feedback other people have to say. We also are human and we have weaknesses and we have strengths and we have areas that need to be improved on. And when we can stay open to the truth that other people have for us, then we can better navigate life and we actually have an advantage in life when we are truly able to see that truth and recognize it and use it to build. Now, some of this feedback, verbal feedback, can be really harmful for us. In the book, I liked the quote. He says, sticks and stones may break bones, but these few words shattered self-confidence, hope, and in some cases, life plans. (laughs) There's a common saying in English, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And I really don't agree with that because of this idea that Yeah, just a few words can really shatter self-confidence, hope, and in some cases, your whole life plan. If someone comes in and just tells you all of these terrible things or really important ways that you're making mistakes and you're screwing things up and you're causing problems and things like that, that is hard to hear. It can really shatter us and really affect our confidence. You know, a relatable situation that happens so often with our students, is that someone comes in and insults the way they speak English or tells them that they're really hard to understand and that they need to go work on their English. There are so many of these offenses that I've heard from my students over the years of just ways that people have been really mean and critical and judgmental and have told them things that 
have really affected their self-confidence. So let's really talk about that. How do we handle that? There's an example in the book of this program called The Other Side Academy, where ex-convicts, people who have done some really terrible crimes, after serving their jail sentence, they go to this halfway house and for kind of life rehabilitation. And part of their strategy there at the halfway house, they're teaching these people how to hear and accept critical feedback. So they have what they call the game. And it basically is that one person is in the hot seat and the other people in the group tell them what they really think about them and some of the terrible things about them and some of the ways that they're just being ridiculous or causing problems or whatever it is. And the person in the hot seat has to learn how to listen and learn how to take that feedback and use it in a way that will actually help build them and strengthen them and change them. It says, three years ago, Marlon feared truth and craved approval. So he went into this game or this situation and he didn't want to see the truth and he really loved approval. He wanted people to tell him that he's great and wonderful and his self-worth was really dependent on that approval of other people. Today, he craves truth and fears approval. So the concept that they talk about in the book is, you know, if you live by the compliment, you'll die by the criticism. If you're so fixated on the compliments from others and the approval from other people, it's really going to bring you down because on the flip side of that coin is the criticism. You know, when someone criticizes you, it's going to take down your whole value or worth and self-confidence. But when we can stay in a place of recognizing and seeing the truth and maybe the lies of compliments and criticism, when we can stay in our truth and stay grounded in what we think of ourselves, then we're more open to taking that criticism in a healthy way. So let's talk about ways to manage feedback in a healthy way. You're in a situation, let's say your spouse or your significant other has some things to tell you about yourself that you maybe don't want to hear because it's hard to hear when you're not doing something well, especially from someone who is so meaningful to you. You want them to just love you for who you are and not be looking at any of the problems that you have. But I think that's the real benefit to having a spouse is that they see everything. They're going to see all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly. And when there can be honesty through all of it, both the good, bad, the ugly, then we have the advantage of being able to see ourselves and view ourselves from that vantage point so that we can grow and improve and be better than we were before. So here are some tools or strategies to manage that feedback. So number one, you get this really difficult criticism or feedback from someone. Say someone insults the way you speak English. Number one, collect yourself. Breathe deeply. Name your emotions and present yourself with soothing truths that establish safety and worth. So you got to get to that place of Okay, just let's collect ourselves. That was really jarring. I didn't really like hearing that criticism. 
breathe deeply. Oh, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling rejected. And then coming back to a place of like, but I'm safe and I know my worth is infinite worth. I know my value as a person and this doesn't affect my worth or my safety. Okay, the second strategy is understand. Get curious, okay? Ask questions and listen. A good strategy is to detach yourself emotionally from it and be able to say, okay, if I was just observing this feedback for someone, how do I think they need to respond here, okay? Number three, recover. If you need time, take time to just recover from that criticism and let yourself feel what you wanna feel in that space and then step four, engage, examine it, look for the truth, review that feedback with the person that is giving it to you. Maybe share your take or your views in a calm way. This might not be possible, but to engage with the person again or things, but, but really examining it yourself, taking a look at it and saying, is there truth here? And if so, what can I do about it? Okay, and then tool number nine is move to action. As we have these crucial conversations and we are navigating them and having good open dialogue, we need to move to action. We need to decide how to decide and finish with clarity. Determine who's doing what by when. Make clear objectives of what's going to happen. Set a follow-up time. You know, record commitments and follow-up and hold people accountable to promises they make. You know, this is so much more applicable in more of a work setting, a career setting, but that's a great strategy. Okay, so to review, you know, crucial conversations, they're all around us and they're happening whether we are prepared for it or not. So why not get prepared for it? And why not have awareness and strategies so that we are not being acted upon but we are being proactive in our lives, control these conversations so that we can use them to benefit our life instead of causing problems in our lives, okay? So crucial conversations, we've talked about choosing your topic, starting with heart, master your stories, learn to look, make it safe, state my path, explore others' paths, retake your pen, and move to action. All right, so this is a lot of information. There's a lot going on here. And I hope that through this conversation, you just kind of got some awareness. You got some ideas of, hey, these are kind of pitfalls that maybe I fall into that I don't want to be doing these things. And maybe I wasn't aware that I was doing these things, but here I am and now I'm aware and now I can do something about it. So recognizing when we go into silence or violence and being able to create a safe place for ourselves and others to engage in free-flowing conversation. That's really the main idea. When we engage in that safe, free-flowing conversation, that's when we can identify a path that works for both parties. When we really can establish a result that works for everyone. That's really what we're going for here is we want to move out of these crucial conversations successfully, whatever the goal might be that we're able to navigate them in a way that gets us the results we want in our lives, okay? 
And that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to navigate these conversations successfully and with confidence and humility. That listening piece is so important as you really listen to understand people and then can express your ideas in a safe place. There is magic that happens in that. I'm obviously a little bit biased in just the power of communication. As a communication expert, I have studied this and studied the effects that conversation and really good communication can do in someone's life. And it's powerful. It's so powerful. And I want that for you. So go ahead and use these tools if you want to join us in the next Pro Book Club meeting and discuss some of these topics. We'd love to have you in the Pronunciation Pro online training program. Go to pronunciationpro.com and join us there. I also have a lot of my past book club meeting recordings on my YouTube channel, Pronunciation Pro. So go ahead and take a look there and you can kind of look through some of the books that we've discussed and see some of the conversation that's had within our community. And it's really powerful and it's really been a lot of fun to interact with our students that way. We have an amazing community and I hope you will be part of it if you're not already. All right, thank you and have a great one. Bye. Your voice is important and needs to be heard. If you're ready to speak English clearly and with greater confidence, I invite you to join me at pronunciationpro.com. Pronunciation Pro.